Hello and welcome under the Kotatsu. I'm your host Austin, joined as always by Danny. Hello. And Danielle. Hey nerds. Uh, and we are back to talk about another uh, Masaki Yuasa film in this unofficial duology we've constructed. But before we get to that, uh, let's go around the table and see what everybody's drinking. Danny, what are you drinking? Drinking The Beast Unleashed, the the mean green variant. It's a, the alcoholic monster that's not oh, okay. caffeinated. It's just alcoholic soda, essentially. I was worried there would be some sort of Mr. Beast connotation. With no, the thankfully not. Didn't realize the beast was like, ah, like a monstrous beast. Mm. Or maybe like the beast as in like the Antichrist. I don't know if Monster is a Christian mm. company, but. <laughs> an anti-Christian company. <laughs> uh, Danielle, what about you? I've just got black coffee, nothing fancy. God, my voice is fucky because I'm sick. Uh... <laughs> Damn. Uh sick like this movie oh my um, god <laughs> i am uh uh it is a nice rainy afternoon here i'm drinking a water and a lager so enjoying the libations uh but yeah we uh we watched another masaki yuasa film this one more recent than the other one which was already pretty recent we watched inuo 2021's inuo um i think it came out in the u.s like 2022 but the japanese release date is 2021 mm. Danny, you picked it, so uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, Masaki Yuasa has many movies. One of them was Night is Short, Walk on Girl, which we watched last time, but why was the second movie you chose uh, this one? Uh, this was just a movie that I saw in the theater because I saw The Night is Short, Walk on Girl, and that really put Yuasa on the map for me because I didn't really know about him, even though I watched Devilman Crybaby before this, probably before uh, The Night is Short. Uh, I just didn't, I didn't care about directors back then, really. So I had seen this and I was like, oh, there's another movie coming out uh, from Yuasa. And I saw that it was like a rock opera musical kind of thing. And the one of the local theaters happened to be showing it because they do like a lot of international films and went out and saw it and it f- fucking fell in love. And I was like, hey, this, this is like a good movie to 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 talk about because there's not like I mean there's like stuff going on but it's not like a super 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 deep film I guess but it's just like a lot of fun and a lot of like is a breakneck paced movie uh so I wanted to to not necessarily compare and contrast it with Night of Short but I wanted to put it alongside of it to to talk about both of them and uh I believe like me Danielle you had not seen this movie prior correct gotcha I had wanted to see this, obviously, because of Yuasa. I also thought the premise seemed like it'd be something I would really enjoy. And then also some of the voice actors involved, which I can get to later, were very exciting. So, um, But I didn't see it when it was out in theaters and had been meaning to pick up the Blu-ray for a while now. And so when you picked it, I was very glad at the opportunity to do so. Uh, some quick production notes before we get into it. Obviously, directed by uh, Misaki Yuasa, who we've... This is now the fourth... Yuasa directed movie or series we've watched. Technically, like the fifth Yuasa thing because we did watch uh, Space Dandy, which had that one episode directed by uh, Yuasa, which is very Yuasa. Um, but we've also watched 
uh, Night is Short and Devil May Cry Baby and also Ping Pong, um, which has a connection to this movie uh, because the character designs are by Tayo Matsumoto, who was the uh, original author for the Ping Pong manga, apparently. Uh, in adapting this, uh, which it's based off of a novel, in adapting this, Yuasa was like, hey, you know who I think would do a really good job with designing these characters? Uh, the guy from Ping Pong. So he <laughs> was, I guess, like, hey, I've worked with you before. We're kind of friends. Do you want to work on this? <laughs> and he said yes. Um, uh, but yeah, it's based on a novel called Tales of the Heike uh, Inuo, or I've also seen it translated as Tales of the Heike, the Inuo Chapters. Uh we can get into it when we talk about the movie because it's kind of core to the movie, but uh, uh, the Tales of the Heike or Heike Monogatari is like a uh, piece of medieval Japanese uh, historical uh, fiction um, uh, that uh, then this novel by Hideo Furukawa is a recent novel that is then kind of like a further fictionalization of these historical accounts. Um, we'll get into it in the movie. Um, but there's there's some like kind of layers going on to there of like how this story came about. It's like a book about like a what if scenario around the tales of the Heike, which is also like slightly based on some some real life stuff. Um, but we can also get into that later. Um, I'm not familiar with either of these two people, but I they did a good job on this movie, so it feels like we're shouting out their names. The screenplay is dot by. Um, uh, Akiko Nogi, uh, not really super familiar with her other work. Not a lot of it is anime. Uh, and then similarly with uh, the music by uh, Yoshide uh, Otomo. Uh, did a lot of music for live action stuff, but nothing I'm super familiar with. Um, and then, of course, because it's Yuasa, it's produced by the Science Saru Animation Studio, uh, Yuasa and um, Anyang Choi's Animation Studio. Uh, and this movie does have a dub, which um, Night is Short did not, uh, but core of this movie is music and the music is in the dub is just um the japanese audio kind of mixed in with the english audio uh, which is a i think a worthwhile choice uh we'll talk about the music um that's kind of the production notes uh i'll leave the option to you danny i'm happy to do it but did you want to try to uh five sentence summary this one because i oh did oh my god summary yeah it'll be off the top of my head a Boy and his father, who are renowned or, or like notable in their area for um, for diving, are tasked with uh, retrieving the imp- one of the imperial regalia uh, that like is supposedly going to help unify the the emperor's throne. Because right now there's like North Japan and South Japan, it's like the whole like shogunate area, you know, before everything's like unified and. During their expedition to get da- get it, they unsheath it, which blinds the boy and uh, kills the father. That's sentence one. Um, after traveling and with a blind Biwa player, which you know this the the again the the boy is blind as well. The boy is named Tamona at that point, uh, though uh, he later changes his name to Tomoichi and then later to Tamari. Uh, for various reasons, uh, basically like what troop that they're with. So after traveling, uh, they end up in Kyoto, where the boy runs into Inoo, the cursed son of a renowned no dancer. No being like N-O-H. 
uh, I'm going to interject technically Sarugaku. Sarugaku at this point, yeah. They, the, they do say that. Which is the predecessor to No. Yeah, because, the, yeah, there's a whole thing at the beginning where, because it starts in, like, modern-day Japan where it's like, oh, long, long ago before No was known as No, and it was Sarugaku. So they, he meets uh, Inuo, the son of Kenjiro Suda. Uh, sorry, to, sorry to reveal that one. <laughs> and because he's blind, he is unable to see how horrifying Inuo looks. Through a shared, that's sentence two, through a shared, <laughs> <laughs> there's a little bit of par- parenthetical in there, but that was sentence two. In, through a shared connection with spirits, uh, of the spirits of the dead Haiki warriors, Inuo and Tomoichi at this point set up their own Biwa musical troupe, essentially, blending Biwa and uh, the, the Saragaku dancing. That's not, it's kind of its own thing at this point. Uh, basically making a hair metal band. That's sentence three. Mm-hmm. Through telling the stories of the uh, Haiki warriors, Inuo's curse has been removed, or is being like removed incrementally. Each time that they dance, there's a new, there's a new thing. Resulting, and after all their performances, they are invited to uh, perform for the shogun of the of the area, who is inviting him because of the because of like the, his wife really likes the the the, the troop, but is also very hesitant because telling the stories of Haiki warriors is going to it, it it can like taint the absolute power of the shogun. After giving that sentence four sentence five. After giving the performance of a lifetime and being removed of his curse after his father tries to renege on the deal that he made to become famous with a demonic mask, Inuo becomes the emperor's star dancer while uh, Tomari, Tomorari, because again, they changed his name, is executed because he refuses to stop telling the story, the true stories that, that he hears through the spirits, because they're his stories, his song. Uh, and then after 600 years of restlessly playing, Inuo and uh, Tomori reunite and pass on to heaven, or to, to move on spiritually. And that's nice. That's basically yeah. it. How many minutes yeah. did that take? Uh, like uh, edit- editing wise, it's going to be like two minutes. <laughs> the, uh, Funny thing is, you could also just say, uh, two baddies form a hair metal band, and the Emperor <laughs> doesn't like it, so he has one of them killed. Yeah. The other one goes on to be uh, the most celebrated uh, Saragaku performer of the era. Two gender-fluid char- people <laughs> form a hair metal band. I was going to say, yeah, definitely read whatever letterbox review you read for us the other day, because I do oh, just think yeah. like that's such a good encapsulation of like what's good about this movie, because... That was a that was a long summary, but um, this movie fucking rules. <laughs> this movie's great. The like back half of the movie is just like performance after performance after performance. It's like you said early neck. on, it just it just goes. Like once they've set up the stakes and the characters and everything, it's like all right, time for some sick shit. So the review that I saw uh, that I really liked uh, by Natalie on Letterbox, uh, fellas, is it trans to be considered monstrous by normative society because your appearance doesn't conform to the standards? And then find acceptance through your undeniable talents that help others to see you as you truly want to be seen, while your best friend and implied queer lover finds freedom in experimenting with their gender expression and choosing a name for themselves rather than living by the obligations other impose on their namesake. Like, yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like, what a succinct way to <laughs> describe. With one of the characters being voiced by a 
gender fluid slash non-binary uh person i am not exactly familiar with avichan like whether they're trans or you know what how they identify but um i just know that the typically they're referred to as, with female parts of speech in japan yeah yeah and a, a lot of that is like uh i mean their whole deal is like uh, being fluid in a way that like there's no like <laughs> they don't have like a these are the labels i prefer to use or whatever it's just you know whatever uh but yeah typically like gets referred to with the she her and kanojo in a in japanese um but yeah inuo is voiced by avuchan avuchan the uh lead singer of the band queen b uh queen b rules highly recommend uh we've we've talked about avuchan um because uh they were uh, zenon and devil man crybaby um that's uh one of the demons uh in devil man and apparently like the story is like you know like i think yuasa kind of tapped avuchan to be in devil man crybaby because like queen bee um i don't know if he was like a fan or, or whatever but it was just like that seemed like appropriate casting to do and then was like making this movie and thinking about who should be inuo was like oh my god like thinking back on working with them uh in devil man was like oh it's got to be avuchan and a real cool a uh, bit of uh, one of the features on the Blu-ray is like a um, the U.S. premiere, I guess in California. Um, they had a uh, post-premiere Q&A with Yuasa, and one of the crowd questions was like, oh, like, what was the casting process like? How did that affect, like, how you developed the film or whatever? And uh, Yuasa was basically just like, um, we kind of like, like, Avuchan really kind of helped craft the character of Inuo um, uh, through their performance uh, and kind of vice versa. So it was like, just seemed like perfect casting. And like, I don't know if I didn't know that it was Avuchan would have been like, to me, immediately recognizable, especially from the singing, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which is just amazing. But I might as well get into the rest of the voice actors since I only have two other ones. You already mentioned uh, uh, my personal favorite, Kenjiro Suda, is Inuo's father. He's just a uh, real bastard. Oh my God. He's so yeah. good. <laughs> He's. I love when he plays characters like this, especially because he's got that great, like, gravelly kind of drolling, evil voice of his. Like, he plays a, a a vampire. He basically plays Dracula in um uh the current season of Bungo Stray Dogs, and that's another just like yeah. That, of course, you tap uh, Kinjiro Suda for this kind of character. But yeah, he's daddy. Uh, he's um, <laughs> uh, he's uh, we covered him in Devil and Crybaby as well. He was uh, Nagasaki Koji in that the like skeevy uh photographer guy. And then, of course, most notably for him, if you somehow don't know if this is your first episode, <laughs> uh, you haven't heard me talk about it before, uh, he's Kaiba in Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, in the original Japanese uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! dub. And then uh, our other main character, uh, Tomina, is voiced by Mirai Moriyama, um, kind of like uh, some of the people in Night of Short Walk-On Girl, um, like not really known for his anime voice acting as much as live action acting, and also he's a dancer, apparently. But he was... Um, uh, we talked about uh, the, I forget his name, but the actor who voiced uh, Buddha in Saint Young Men, uh, Mirai Moriyama, is Jesus in Saint Young Men. So both of the Saint Young Men uh, being represented in these two movies. He's in Shin Kamen Rider. Yes, he's in Shin Kamen Rider. I looked it up because I haven't seen that movie. Apparently, like a pretty minor character. Hmm. I was like, oh, is he someone cool? And it's like, eh, maybe, but <laughs> very low on the cast list. Uh, but he is in that. And that, that's all I really have for him. So not a lot of like big name voice actors in this one other than like, Kinjiro Suda is like the big name, like person known for voice acting, but overall really good. Like I didn't know a lot of the other ones, but I felt like all the other uh, vocal performances were really good uh, in it, like um, Tomina's dad um, and some of the other background characters. But yeah, so like, I don't know how much 
did y'all i think the movie does a good job of getting you to where like a place where you can understand what's going on in this but how much did y'all know about the heike uh stuff <laughs> before you watch this movie only a tiny tiny bit from a other fiction and i was uh pausing some to uh read some wikipedia articles while watching the movie i'm not gonna lie oh, okay i mostly treated it as like you know also like just general kind of like pre-unification japan i was like okay the the capital names don't really matter to me necessarily i i just kind of know them as like oh that's the shogun oh that's you know the heiki are i guess people that lost in the battle of mm -hmm. denura and you know whatever um so yeah general general time period understanding but the you know specific words i just kind of encapsulated in and breeze pass yeah i think it's cool because it's like the, the whole story is built off that stuff in a way that like if you're really familiar with it it must be like really rewarding uh to pick up on all the references and stuff but the movie does a good enough job of like outlining what's important to know about that you know like oh the heike clan uh like you know essentially like uh dies out during this famous battle of the Danaura uh, and the, the child emperor throwing themselves into the uh the river along with the grass cutter sword which is what they find at the beginning and all of that um but they kind of they kind of give you what you need um and again, all this is kind of like you, you, you can learn this throughout the movie. You didn't know it, but like the important thing to know about this movie is like the um, story of the Heike is like, um, like Heike Monogatari, like the medieval novel, is a collection of stories that were in real life, like passed down through uh, a like sect of Biwa playing priests um, of that region that just like kind of like orally passed down these stories over the years and those were eventually collected by kikuichi who is in this movie who was a real life blind biwa player um who like collected all of these stories together uh for the first time and that is like the heike monogatari that you can literally go out to like a barnes nobles and buy a recently translated um english version of um and so what this movie is about is uh inuo is not just like cursed by spirits generally but like cursed by the the spirits of the heike like the you know souls that have not moved on and through them learns all these stories that are not a part of like kikuichi's um like canon of heike stories um and so that's like part of the thing about like inuo is like this kind of like bucking the trend sort of thing like the movie shows that through like the hair metal glam rock-esque performances there's like a whole lot of queen <laughs> going mm -hmm. on in this movie which is great but um uh part of that like kind of social uh 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 clashing thing going on is like he's telling stories that no one else is telling and it's like how does he know all these stories and it's because you know part of his curse is being cursed with the um presence of the spirits that pass along these stories and so apparently um the real life connection is like apparently there was a real life uh saragaku performer named inuo who was like extremely popular at the time but basically nothing is known concrete about him other than he was a popular performer um and what what has been passed along is basically like legend and hearsay and so um in, in writing this book the author was like oh i'm gonna kind of blow this up as like uh you know inuo was cursed by his father and all this kind of stuff that makes it into the movie 
Um, I don't know how much of the book is has like the hair metal aspect of it. I feel like that's that has to be like an invention of the movie, but I didn't get a clear sense from the interviews with Yuasa of how much that was them bringing that to the movie or how much that was in the book. The book's not been uh, translated or uh, even like unofficially, so hard to verify any of that. Yeah, if you told me it was like a thing where in the book it's like, oh, he was just telling telling stories that no one was telling or dancing in a way no one had danced before and like they kind of extrapolated that out to just like the general idea of revolting from like the standard into something else because that's kind of like the main like one of the big things is like the biwa players like oh it doesn't even sound like biwa anymore it sounds like uh you know it's something different and have you seen his hair da, 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 da. so like if you just told me like oh they just kind of blew that out then i'd, I'd believe that yeah and what Yuasa does say, like, for, for sure, as, like, an inspiration for the staging of those performances in the movie is, like, them kind of having the thought of, like, well, we like to think that, like, you know, Michael Jackson was the first one to do the moonwalk dance, but isn't that a little bit presumptuous to assume that <laughs> no one in the history of time <laughs> before Michael Jackson did a, a similar kind of dance? So it's like, who's to say that they weren't doing, like... Uh, we will rock you style performances <laughs> in, in uh, the uh, uh, Muromachi period. <laughs> One thing I'm curious about is with those dances, do you think they rotoscoped at all? Or is it all animation? It Like there was one point, I don't know what it was, but I just like, this looks kind of rotoscoped where it felt like that amount of fluidity to for, for it to be like a like a rotoscoped thing. But I don't, yeah, I don't know about the production. It definitely definitely seems like if they didn't, even if they didn't rotoscope, they would have done a whole lot of like um, reference, uh, yeah, reference uh, video of people dancing to uh, base the animation on. But from what I did glean from the features with Yuasa, it does seem like um, how they did the dances generally is they kind of like did the storyboards and like roughly animated everything while they were waiting for the music to be completed and then once the music was finished and they could sync up the scenes to the music they then further refined the dances to better match the music um that early on it was just like oh well this dance would be cool or this this <laughs> movement would be fun to do and then once they got the music back it would be like oh that does really fit or actually the music doesn't fit with this dance we've drawn it all let's go back to the drawing board on this part of the scene um so it seems like they kind of figured the dances out as the uh thing went along you'll note that I didn't have like a, a storyboard credit, uh, <laughs> which I would have given it to Yuasa film, but I, I couldn't find anywhere. Like it doesn't seem like anybody was credited as storyboarding this. So I wonder if it was just like enough of a scene to scene collaborative effort that it wasn't worth like giving credit to that. Um, mm. But I thought that was interesting. You know, my favorite uh, dance was during uh, the whale. There's a mm -hmm. part where Inuo is doing like cartwheels and throwing a, a flaming baton in the air. And they mm -hmm. use the same sequence like 16 times in that one song. I love it so much because <laughs> it's not like, oh, they do something. A little... It's like, no, it's, they just reuse the, the, the animation, which is like fine. It's really funny. When I, when I first noticed it, I was like, wait a second. But I, I love that they did it that way. <laughs> Ino is just that good of a dancer. Mm. His movements are so perfectly matched every time he does a, <laughs> a sequence of steps like that. It's like Lady Gaga, I think, is like that, where she has like perfect pitch. And so when she does live performances, she fucks up on purpose occasionally because otherwise no. people would think that she was lip syncing. <laughs> That's fun. I mean, speaking of the dances in general, I mean, I assume we all enjoy the dancing. I don't know. Does, does anyone <laughs> disagree? I, I love it. I, I get chills every time I watch the Dragon Commander segment. I listen to Dragon Commander like every day. <laughs> it's so good. 
is that yeah i was gonna this was my my next question uh everybody's uh favorite uh like dance sequence because there's like three main ones is that is that your favorite mm-hmm. mine is definitely the whale uh whale song uh just fucking love it uh there's a great feature on the blu-ray of uh Yuasa doing a scene breakdown on that which goddamn every movie should have a bonus feature of the director doing a full like analysis of a core scene in the movie because i just like loved that um of him it's like him on an ipad like pausing every now and then to point out things um and and draw all over the screen um but i think the whale performance is great the song is great the visuals are, are awesome um got that stuck in my head uh danielle what about you uh yeah the final one's my favorite too mm. wow i'm the only whale slash 1000 dolphin uh appreciate <laughs> i do love every time that they like when they're repelling from like the whale screen and it's kind of like doing like the perspective shot of like oh like mm-hmm. inuo's jumping on the whale like every time it like does it like the water splashes it's so cool yeah it part of what's also great about that uh breakdown with yuasa is he goes into like when they made that scene they thought really hard about how all of those effects would have been done um like everything was fully considered there's even the part where like there's like kind of like two canvas screens that like the image of the whale is being projected onto um and at one point it like moves from the bottom screen to the top screen uh and when it happens um there's like a bit where like no one would ever notice this but you also pointed out it's like oh yeah definitely my brain noticed that i just didn't <laughs> really notice it is like when the the it's like two projections so when they overlap it's like the image of the whale kind of distorts a little bit the, the whale looks shorter for a bit and then looks bigger again and it's just like little things like that they're like oh yeah we didn't have to animate it like that but we wanted it to like feel like they were really putting on this performance and not just like movie magic um which is which is cool uh like they uh, highly recommend that i don't know if it's on youtube or somewhere it should should be ideally but um that 20 minute scene breakdown is great for those little things of like oh yeah and we, we thought about this we made sure like this made sense we didn't just do it for for no reason well that's like with every every scene i think there's like a they make a conscious effort to show the machinery of it i guess I mean, in that whale scene, there's a part where it cuts to them moving the the screen on the fire to show how it, how yeah. it's projecting. But then on top of that, like uh, in the in the Dragon Commander scene, when Unuo is walking on the water, that you can see the wooden blocks that that are floating there, yeah. and like the the rays of light. I think you know part of that is just like there's the spirits and everything. But like I think they even sh- I think they show like a gel thing kind of over a lantern to show like oh, yeah. colored lights and everything. So. There's a lot of care, because uh, like you said, they don't want it to just be like, oh yeah, they could just do whatever they want. It's like, no, they're doing modern day stuff with with contemporary period technology, which is really cool. Uh, or even, I, I didn't even pick, pick up on this when I watched it, but gleamed it in the special features of the first performance. Because, um, you know, the thing with Inuo is like, at the start of the, like, Inuo means like king of dogs, and at the start of the movie, he really is just like a, kind of fucked up little dog human <laughs> hybrid creature uh which is adorable uh and then like uh after he like dances along to like uh the rest of the theater troupe like practicing like grows legs and then like one of his arms is fixed and the other arm is fixed and then his back is fixed and then the last thing is like his face but in that first performance he's still got this really long arm and there's a special feature of Yuasa like sketching out all the different versions of Inuo throughout the film 
uh, when he's drawing that version of Inuo from that performance, he points out like, oh, the the like shirt he's wearing is, sh- is shaped in a way that he can hide how truly long his arm is uh, in the folds of the, the shirt or whatever. And then points out like, oh, and the other arm that's like clearly a prosthetic, but he points out like, oh, there's, there's like he draws the lines for it as like, oh, there's like this this mechanism that we we thought of that's underneath it. Like you don't see it, but they thought through like the mechanism that he moves his prosthetic arm and all that. Just like really like a well-considered <laughs> movie in terms of design. Uh, what do we think of our, um, our two main characters? They're great. I love them. I love that they don't have the scene where it's like the second act low point and they're no longer friends. It's like, no, they're perfectly great the entire time together. They're very much, you know, there are a lot of, I wouldn't even say like reading into it necessarily in terms of like them having like a relationship beyond just friendship. Um, you know, it's not breached too terribly much in the uh, thing other than, oh, I, I looked 600 years for you. Uh, now both of us can rest in peace because I found you kind of thing. It's like, oh, okay. And like the amount of anger, because I, when I first, I hadn't watched this in a while, I was like, oh man, you know, it's kind of a dick because at the end, uh, the emperor is like, yeah, you can never see that person again. And like, you have to dance only for me. All I remembered is Inuo laughing and going like, oh, of course, ha ha ha. I forgot how fucking furious he was right before that point. Uh, and that he's like clearly putting on an act and all that. But I mean, like he sells out on threat of death, but he still sells out. So who's the real? Well, not even like on threat <laughs> of his death. Decision? It was like he's going to his his lover's going to die. It was like if you if you see the, that guy again, we're, I'm going to kill him kind of thing. So it was like selling out, but like t- trying to protect tamari though he didn't know that tamari was you know not going to die anyway yeah not going to give it up himself yeah which that whole scene is brutal holy shit the both getting killed and then the scene in the temple or like the biwa master's house whatever thing holy fuck yeah because like both of them have like in different ways like equally sad ends before the like final kind of epilogue scene of like tomina just like not not just being like killed out in the street, but like having his arms cut off as he's trying to play his Biwa one last time. Um, and the way you see that like from his like first person perspective is like uh, in in the kind of like the movie does this because um, like uh, Tomina loses his eyesight uh, when him and his father like um, fish out the grass cutter sword. Um, uh, but they do these like first person shots where like even though he's blind he's still like sensing the world around him so the the movie does that through like these kind of like watercolor painterly visions of the world around him which i think is cool very well done stylistically but yeah you you see his like first person perspective in that way as his arms are cut off and he can no longer play it's like like he has an extremely sad end and then and in his own way so does Inuo because you know Inuo's reward for like telling all these untold stories of the Heike and like you know subverting the uh you know cultural norms of the time is to just be folded back into that cultural norm under threat of like his death but also his you know best friend's death that's like real fucked up stuff like there, there's no good way out of that situation uh for either of them yeah no it makes for like an effective like tragedy to it yeah definitely and then until the the very end which uh uh, kind of uplifts that a little bit i really like that um like you said danny this movie goes super fast i really like how it quickly goes through like tomino as a kid up to like tomino as like a young adult like I, I like that we get to start with that character like as a kid uh when his father dies uh also dies very brutally <laughs> with the uh like 
I don't know, like crack of doom that the grass cutter sword <laughs> unleashes and cuts his dad in half and blinds uh, Tomina, which is a wild scene. Um, uh, but I like that we kind of like, you know, he sets off on like a mission of revenge, kind of spurred on by the spirit of his dad, um, and then joins up with uh, the blind Biwa player, uh, Kikuichi, and then um, like gets folded in with them and then eventually meets um, Inuo. Like I, I like the pacing of all that where like cli- time is purely clearly uh, progressing um, uh, very quickly from scene to scene um, without it like not making any sense. Um, and then also the way that like Inuo is introduced where we get a scene very early on in the movie, um, which I think is masterfully done of um, uh, seeing Inuo's birth without really any context of or the full context of what's going on, uh, which we later learn is like Kinjiro Suda's character has made a deal with this cursed mask that has kind of allowed him to become like the you know best Sarugaku performing troop in the land. Um, makes one final deal with it to like sell the soul of his son to it. Classic deal with the devil shit, and that causes Inuo to be birthed as like you know this like deformed kind of creature. Though unlike with with most uh, deals with the devil, it's not like something where he's like. Oh, I could never. He's just like, yeah, fucking take whatever you want, dude. Do it. I don't give a shit. Yeah. He's such a unabashed asshole to the his very last breath. Well, and even before you get that last scene where we get the full flashback of like how it happened during the Dragon Commander performance, there's the opening like the last shot of the opening scene before it cuts to the title. Uh, is just like after Inuo's birth, um, his father like walking along the theater troupe building, like with no care in the world, like no emotion on his face whatsoever, is not phased by what he's done to his child, even if we don't know that at the time. I it's funny, like in my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the opening scene, and then watching one of the special features, Yawas is like, ah, it's hard for me to pick a favorite, but it's probably that opening scene. He's like. He's like he's like recounting it. And he's like, damn, we made a really good scene, didn't we? <laughs> um, but the way it like um because like you said it, it starts in present day we don't know it at the time but it's like the ghost of tomuna performing kind of like the opening prologue for us um and then what it how it transplants you from modern day japan to 1300s japan is um uh you see kind of like time reverse over these like iconic shots of kyoto uh that like places we'll see later in the movie as well which is very cool but like the the bridge uh, and the temple and all these scenes and it's done this kind of time lapse kind of jumpy uh uh style um with just amazing music underneath it it's just awesome and then cut through that as well is this scene of tomita's dad doing this performance with the demon mask and like initially making the pact with the demon uh and inuo being birthed um and again like you don't have full context of that scene but you get enough to kind of like pick up on some early stuff of what's going on and then um Later, after we've been introduced to Tomina fully, we get to meet Inuo like fully as like a little little creature running around with the dog, which is very cute. Um, uh, and then uh, he he's dancing along with the music, and he grows legs, and then he gets to run through the city. Um, what do we think about? Uh, I thought about this at the whole movie, and then was very happy with how it ended up. But what do we think about like Inuo and like his disfigurement and uh, like? you know thinking uh, along the lines of like disability and stuff like that like how did how did that all play out for y'all i was here for it like in the terms of like uh, pushing past societal disapproval and like disability both of the self and like imposed by society and like pushing past that to uh become something more 
necessary like or becoming what you want to be kind of thing like no longer being limited by it because you know you're you're able to like you're showing people that like you're not what you thought they what they thought you were kind of thing there's a little bit of like you you could make some arguments i think for it being like a little yikes in that it's like oh he has to become this beautiful person to you know like to remove his disability i guess to become a whole person which feels a little weird in the mouth but yeah yeah i was getting a bit more of the feeling of that i still think this is like um very much uh handles the entire thing better than a lot of media does but it's just like the general like most like visibly disabled or deformed characters and by like oh they get to be normal as a reward and that sucks a little bit yeah you can I, though I guess it's counterbalanced by Tomina, like he doesn't become not blind. I guess so, like he still kind of keeps within, like he finds acceptance without you know supplanting his body. I guess, um, and you could also make I don't know the argument of instead of reading Inuo as a metaphor for disability, but a metaphor for like gender identity, and it's like oh Inuo is able to become who they want to be, kind of thing. Um and are accepted by society as a result or something. I don't know. There, yeah. It, I, mm, mm, mm. I I don't like the whole like journey of self discovery is becoming conventionally attractive. Yeah, no, it, it it runs into that by at the very end for sure. Up until the face reveal. That, that's an interesting interesting interpretation. I'm not sure I gel with the implications of it. Mm. So I was I was worried the whole movie of like how everything was ultimately going to shake out with this. Cause I was thinking all these thoughts that were, that we're talking about right now. Um, but a couple things that I appreciated along the way were um, that at no point does Inuo vocalize like, Oh, I just want to be normal. Like, I just want to look like everybody else. Like that seems secondary to the, I just want to perform um, drive that, that Inuo has, um, which you, you clearly see through like, um, I, th- I think about like the scene where um, it's even before they start putting on the performances and it's just like Inuo and Tomina hanging out of like Inuo doing like a full handstand on his very long arm. And it's just like clearly like in so full control of his own body um, in a way that's like reminiscent or like or like the embodiment of like a masterful dancer. Like it doesn't matter like if you've got like a 10 foot long arm or a normal length arm like uh, like it's so in control of his body that like um, uh, you can't help but be impressed by it, even if, like, by societal standards, that's like, uh, you know, horrifying or whatever. And that, like, Inuo's different, uh, like, physical um, deformities, like, play into the performances. I appreciated that it wasn't just like a, oh, and now he's a better performer because he has legs. It's like, no, he was just as good of a performer when he was his legs were little stubs than when he grew full legs. And same thing with the arms and the back and all the other transformations that happen. The other thing that I think about, um, which I guess maybe this is the time to bring in the, the ending into the conversation, is like when he finally does, um, you know, uh, get rid of his last transformation, which is um, uh, the face, um, which his face is like before it's kind of uh, changed to conventional is like there's like two eyes like right on top of each other. And so he wears like a gourd mask and his mouth is on like the side of his head. Yeah. And... and we never see it. Um but when he makes that final transformation, one, I think it's notable that like his when he transforms, his face is still kind of like mask like. Um, that's like in makeup. Yeah, it's in makeup and we never see him outside of makeup. So it's almost like, a, you know, it's it's still him like 
hiding himself under under some sort of facade. But also, like, it's not like a oh he's he's fully transformed now he has fully actualized his the best version of himself. The scene that immediately follows that is the scene we were just talking about of how he gets furious at the emperor for insinuating that he's going to kill his lover slash best friend if he doesn't like stop performing his stories. So it's almost like a the reward for fully transforming and you know quote unquote like being fully accepted by society is actually like the denial of the self. Um, it's not like a good ending for the character. And then the thing that fully sold it for me is the actual ending when he meets up with Tomina as like a spirit. And notably what happens is, is when they meet up, uh, Inuo transforms back into the like more quote unquote monstrous version of himself. Um, and it's like a recreation of the scene when they first met of the two of them, like playing the Biwa and dancing on the bridge uh, together. And to me, that was like, this is, this is, um, like that's Inuo. Like what Inuo transformed into is like not, not like the real Inuo. The real Inuo is is here in the in the spirit realm at the end of the movie. Um, so I don't think like the movie has this stance of like, oh, like only through like normative a normative body can you <laughs> achieve uh, self actualization. I think it's the opposite. Um, and so yeah, there's there's some missteps along the way, and it's definitely not like a there's only one way to read this movie, and it's my way. But like, I was very happy with that ending uh, to the point that it like brought me to tears because I wasn't wasn't expecting them to land it as well as they did um, with the body stuff, uh, but I think they did. Yeah, and I think the the more interesting stuff in terms of like gender play specifically, because yeah, like you know, I definitely read more as like a body disability kind of thing like you said like changing oneself to to fit within society standards and finding out like oh society actually kind of sucks um the the more like gender play side of it not gender but you know i mean like gender analysis or playing with the concepts of gender is is tomina and how as the uh movie goes on he like the 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 other monks start talking about like oh he's growing his hair out he's wearing makeup um like he's basically in like geisha by the end of the movie like in the scene where they're um they're like he's like uh Inu is wearing the monkey mask and Tomina's like they're at a party it's like oh let's drink together kind of thing um like there's a lot more going on there and like the whole like cha- like choosing one's own name for like one's own self rather than the ones that's been thrust upon you by whether it be your father or your um the the monks it's like no i'm going to choose my own name and like choose my own expression of the self i don't know if tomoari is a more feminine name i i don't have that context um so i don't know if it's something where they're like that that's even going more into it um but again at the end of the day they they end up seeing themselves as themselves as ch- as children when they were unchanged and kind of in their most rudimentary form uh, but again, still having like uh, Tomari like at the end is going by Tomari because that's what Inuo calls him. But then when he's about to die, he says that oh my name is uh, uh, Tomona of of Danura. So there's a lot of stuff going on there in, in terms of like self identity, whether it's constrained by the concept of gender or just like general self identity um, that I think is really interesting. And and like you said, the epilogue really cements it. I I really agree with you. Like you put a lot of what I was thinking into words of like the uh the all that glitters is not gold kind of aspect of becoming accepted by society. Yeah. Um yeah, I think it's just kind of a perfect ending for what the rest of the story is. Um 
that and like uh kendra suda gets fucking exploded there were <laughs> the like end. that is also very screams very and gasps in the theater when i first saw it because it's so horribly violent yeah he gets fucking like doom splattered <laughs> over the i was like oh that's why this this film has that uh, age rating. Oh yeah, it's rated PG thirteen. <laughs> literally just because of that, he's exploded. I mean, I guess we do got to remember this is from uh, the uh, s- several of the people that gave us Devil May Cry Baby, so <laughs> I guess it shouldn't be too surprised. But this this time it doesn't feel like gratuitous and sad no. like with Miki's yeah. death. It's it's just like oh yeah, like this asshole who is like an unreserved because like the mask is like, are you asking me to destroy something that you gave me? Like, you really are that selfish? And Kendra Asuda, without missing a beat, says, yeah, destroy him. He doesn't go like, mm-hmm. mm, I'm clearly asking a bad thing. <laughs> like, this is clearly bad. He's so wrapped up in his idea of like, oh, I want to be the star. Even though he still is. Like, people know of Inuo as, like, coming from the, I think it's called like, the Heisei or, or whatever his school, his theater troupe is. Like, they're like, oh, oh yeah, the, the Heiza. Heiza, yeah, yeah. So, like, he's already well-known, but he's, he just always wants more. He always wants more, um, which is, you know, shown throughout the entire movie where uh, uh, his uh, the other two sons are practicing. And he's like, oh, when, you, when, when I die, you guys are going to take over the theater or, yeah, take over the troupe. And, I, you know, you can't be doing this fucking bullshit and da-da-da-da. Like, he's such a piece of shit. And then he kicks Inuo in the chest because Inuo's dancing good. Um, like... He's such an asshole, and he gets fucking obliterated, and it's amazing. Yeah. You've heard of uh, Kick the Dog. Well, now it's Kick the King of Dogs. Oh, my God. That's how you know Kinjiro is, is bad. Um, doesn't have a character name, which is interesting. Literally just credited as Inuo's father. Mm. Um, uh, just trying to look through my other notes. I feel like I said all the broad things. I mean, I guess I feel like I don't have the full context to go deep on it but there's definitely a lot going on with uh tomina changing his name several times in the movie because tomina's his like given his name given to him by his father uh when his father dies and comes to him as a spirit he's like you know uh i guess when he's about to change his name the first time it's like you have to go by tomina otherwise i won't be able to find you uh he changes his name to tomoichi when he joins the, uh, I don't know what the proper word for it, if it's like clan or sect or group, but the, when, he, when he joins the Biwa priests, um, their whole thing is like being one of them is taking on Ichi from like their leader's uh, name. Uh, so each of them is like whatever Ichi, uh, their name. So he, instead of Tomina, he becomes Tomoichi when he joins them. Uh, and then when him and... Inuo start putting on their performances. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna craft a new identity for me, just like how Inuo chose his own name." Because that's also something that's said is like, Inuo, like no one gave him that name. He gave it to him himself. Um, uh, so T- Tomono decides then to be Tomoari, which is definitely some like I don't envy the translator because it's like how, but there's like a there's like a wordplay thing going on where he's trying to describe like, "Oh, I'm." Tomoichi because I'm I'm here to perform in the here and now and the the, the those Japanese words kind of get you to Tomo Ari the Ari part of the Tomo Ari mm. um, but it doesn't really play at all in English and then the last name changes when he dies he uh, is like you know before they cut off his head as like you know uh, 
saying like i you know he's like making a grand declarative statement and is like about to say like his name and clearly has to think like oh which of my names do i give and he gives uh tomina uh his original name which i i guess like that that's why it takes inuo so long to find him in the afterlife is Mm because he didn't use tomari but i also kind of take that to mean like you know that's the name his father insisted he keep because his father was trying to essentially use tomina to get revenge uh, for what happened to him um, and the rest of their family, I guess. And so I take that to mean, like, he's dying such a bitter death that he's, like, going back to that of, like, I'm going to die thinking of the revenge I was I was trying to get once upon a time. So I kind of read it as, like, I'm going back to who I was before I got wrapped up in all of this. Like, I'm not, like, the yeah. performer, Tomari is the performer, Tomoichi is the mm. Biwa player, but I am Tomino of Denura. Yeah. And there's, de- I'm sure there, I, well, I know there is, because at one point in the, in one of the Q&As with Yuasa, he's like, oh, and uh, uh, I'm sure, you know, like, people who know their stuff will have picked up on, on this line or whatever, and it's about, like, him saying, I'm, I'm Tomoda of the Danora or whatever, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> so I know there's stuff I'm not picking up on, but definitely felt important to mention that. Something else that, um, I'm reading, I pulled up a Gizmodo article that mm-hmm. talks about the, the gender politics of, of Inuo. And something I really like, because they talk about how, like, the, like, the Biwa priests are like, oh, he, he dresses like a prostitute, he, you know, he, he's wearing such a loose-fitting clothing, and da 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 And at the end of the film, when his ability to perform is taken away, this is from the article, when the authorities in power decide that he is too loud, too different, his gender presentation is stripped from, his, from him as well, he dies without makeup, his hair undone, without any sort of decorative clothing. So it's, like, another thing where he might be saying, like, you guys have taken everything else from me, but you can't take away my name. Mm. You can't. You took away my hair. You took away my clothing. You took away my instrument. But I still, at at my core, I'm still. I still have a name that was given to me, kind of thing. So I think a lot of ways you can read into it. I, it's, and it's cool in that way. It's very open. It's very, but without it's it's open without being listless or like too ambiguous there's like clearly something going on and it's it's like okay cool i i can read this my way and if someone else says hey i actually read it this way it's like yeah okay that sounds fine too the only read i wouldn't agree with is if at the end he's like yeah he realizes that gender expression sucks and like he wanted (laughs) he wants to be like cishet or whatever like that wouldn't make any sense but you know everything else I, i i think it's it's open in a, in a very interesting and good way yeah def- definitely a movie where there's there's multiple ways to read a lot of the the imagery because it isn't like i don't know over explaining itself uh and as i've said the the back half of the movie is just like a few performances with a couple of scenes to interconnect them <laughs> um uh so it's not like there's like a ton of dialogue uh throughout the film uh after a certain point for you to like you know get concrete answers to these things um what was it gonna say um i mean i have some silly notes left i think i got all the the major big stuff i wanted to talk about out of the way i like that tomina is just inuo's hype man uh because there's like these performances before the performances of like it's like tomina playing the biwa some guy playing playing drums and then like a guy playing a huge biwa is like an upright bass Mm -hmm. uh, which is definitely not a real instrument (laughs) that existed uh and they're they're playing like a uh, they're like hyping Inuo up. They're like they're singing a song, but they're basically like, "Damn, you're about to get your minds blown by this whale performance. Just you fucking wait." 
uh or like hey everybody come back here underneath this bridge check out this hot new performer inuo you're you're not going to want to miss it um just love that about about him um I also like that when Inuo has a giant arm, it's because we just watched this movie. It made me think of um, uh, Mutant Hunt, which has a cyborg, which has an arm that just stretches really long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, ah, Inuo's got a Mutant Hunt uh, cyborg arm. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. I think that's the thing I, I appreciate the most about that aspect of his character is like, it's never like the movie never makes a, like a cruel joke out of it you know i wouldn't say it doesn't make jokes out of it but like in like a fun like oh wouldn't it be fun to like dance around and have a giant arm it's like very like loving and playful and not like mean-spirited because i feel like so many other movies would would make you be like look at this gross disfigured monster don't you feel so pitiful for him and at no point did i feel pity for inuo there's there's even a point where when they're on like the the hillside drinking sake i think tomoichi or Tamari says something. It's when when Tamari comes up with the name. He he says something snarky to Inuo, and like Inuo sticks out his tongue, but it's you know it's at the side of his head. And again, just like a little gag where it's like, oh yeah, his head is like configured in that way. But again, it's not like a gag at his physicality. It's just like, oh yeah, you know, a little that's where his tongue is, kind of thing, which is great. Like again, it's it's working within the confines of the character it's like that's what the character looks like well we're not going to make him a humorless little shit we're gonna you know show him being you know sassy yeah and we get a lot like early on i feel like there's a lot done to immediately make you like sympathize towards inuo of like much like how we get the pov shots i talked about with um tomina in his introduction there's also pov shots from the perspective of inuo like as a little dog creature like running around um which is great um, and just like again, it's like another movie would do this in such a different way. But like you're seeing the world from her, from his perspective, and it's not like, like oh, it, it everything looks so wrong from from this this vantage or this view of the world. It's like no, like he looks up in the trees and like uh like everything's like beautiful and like harmony and nature around him. It's like he's not lesser or not like as capable of seeing the beauty in the world uh, just because of um, uh, how his body is um and then also like i i genuinely think like all the shots of like him playing around with the dogs and stuff is just like joyous and fun and again like another movie would depict that in a way where you're meant to like pity him it's like oh look at this this vile creature rolling around with the mutts it's like oh no he's just having a good time he's he's playing it's kind it's cool he loves he doesn't even know how fucked up he is oh he's so sad no he's just goofing yeah and the music's like all like happy it's you know it's good stuff. He's kind of laying into it. Like he like runs across the rooftops and is like scaring kids in the school. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he meets uh, Tomina at the first point, he's like, oh, don't make me take off my mask. I'm going to scare you. And mm-hmm. then Tomina is like, sorry, I, I can't see. Is, is your mask off? <laughs> Which some movies. Oh, God. Is it the Fantastic Four sequel? The Silver Surfer? Yes. Where he, uh, the thing falls in love with a blind woman. Yeah. Uh, Launchback and Notre Dame uh, sequel does it too, where it's like, oh, the mm. only way that I could ever find love is someone's blind. They don't right. do that here. They, they very much, it's, it's kind of like getting your foot in the door of like, hey, I'm not scared of you like other people. And then, you know, was like, oh, okay, I could just, like, I could just talk to you then. That sounds fun. But it, it's not, again, it's not like the only person who could ever accept him is, because, you know, like before Inuo transforms, even 
there's the theater troupe, like the 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 glam rock metal band they put together. Like all of them presumably are just fine with Inuo as Inuo is, mm-hmm. and they're not all blind and you know all that. So again, it's just like a a a sweet thing without being like overly saccharine or overly like pitiful about anything. Um, you know, even when uh, Tomina's blinded. Uh, obviously a traumatic thing uh but it's again it's not like the next time you see him he's getting around just fine uh for the most part and like is able to read and which is like a rarity back then obviously so he's like a perfectly competent you know individual it's not we're not supposed to be like oh man poor uh tomona is not gonna make it through the winter or anything like that he happens to run into a biwa priest and they become buddies and that's it (laughs) like this happens to uh, you reminded me of what I think is like a cool, subtle bit of s- storytelling in this. Of um, early on, I think it's uh, Kikuichi, the the blind Biwa player that um, Tomina meets, uh, tells him of like, you know, like, oh, don't go wandering around Kyoto at night or whatever. There's been stories of like uh, people like yourselves who are looking for stories of the Heike who go around and they they're they're murdered at night, and we get these cuts of like people being struck down by a mysterious assailant or whatever. And then you get the scene of like. Inuo running around and scaring people off and it's like oh is that is that who it is and then at the very end of the movie you get the reveal that oh that was Inuo's dad that was going mm-hmm. around and murdering people because the demonic mask was uh, spurring him on well and what's what's cool even with that also like in the dragon commander thing they're they're like you know the, the spirits aren't doing what they normally do what's going on and Tamari jumps into the the water and you're like kind of like I'm gonna go look for the rest of the story like uh, something's wrong I'm going to figure out what's going on. And he sees like his own story and he says, I already know this one. Show me um, Inuos. And you get like the whole backstory there. So, and, and you know, you get to see the, uh, the reveal that Kendra Suda is the murderer. Um, but it's again, it's like a really interesting thing of like, oh, we're putting these spirits to rest basically by telling their story. And the only way we can do that is by, by witnessing it kind of thing. And then, and then sharing it with everyone else. So, it's it's a really cool way of reincorporating that even within a song they're still doing like story stuff in a really cool way. Yeah. This this feeds my enjoyment of the musical scenes in this, especially the Dragon Commander one and part of the way it, you know, like tells a story with its like musical performance, but definitely reminded me of scenes from Yuri on Ice. I don't know mm. if you got those vibes as well, Danny. Mm-hmm. Very fluid, like just in the animations, very like I mean it's dancing obviously, but like just the the physicality of all of it, yeah, definitely has like the weight and attention to detail that Yuri and Ice did. Yeah, and, and also in the way that like a good one of these, like the story doesn't stop just because it's time for a musical number. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, the inner and exterior struggles of the characters continue while the musical number's happening. Yuri and Ice did that really well. A movie I just rewatched also does that really well. Uh, Showgirls. Mm. <laughs> Does that I was honestly well. like surprised the movie took like so long to get to like one of the rock musical numbers. Like it goes almost a third of its runtime before getting to one, and I was kind of um surprised with the restraint, mm-hmm. not really knowing anything going on. Well yet. then as soon as it gets to one, it's it one after stop. the yeah. other. <laughs> yeah, that rules. There's no breaks on the Inuo train. The soundtrack is really funny because it's like Inuo one, which is the first like, you know, promo song for Inuo. Uh, Burial Mound of Arms, Inuo 2, The Whale, Inuo 3, Dragon Commander. If you just look at that that set list, you're like, oh, there must be movie in between those parts, right? And it's like, mm, 
not really. Especially between Inuo 1, Burial Mount of Arms, Inuo 2, and The Whale are, like, back to back to back. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's wild. Yeah, like, the, the Burial Mount of Arms scene ends, and it's like all right, we're going to get some other scenes, right? And then it just goes back into another, like, <laughs> Tomina hype man scene of, like, all right, get ready for another one. And I was like, if the rest of the movie is just this, if there truly is no no stops at this point, I would be extremely happy. Uh, the movie does stop a little bit between uh, the whale and the dragon commander. Um, and then there's a... And during the dragon commander. Yeah. Yeah, but in a way, the, the, the music's still going on in the background. That, so it's still, like, yeah. at least keeping the rhythm going. And... Even the scenes that aren't musical between the whale and Inuo Three slash Dragon Commander, they're they're pretty quick. There's like the hill scene, and then like the you got the invitation to the to the Shogun show, and then kind of immediately after that, there's the like oh we made the Inuo chapters troop, and then mm-hmm. it goes into Inuo Three and and all that. So they're like pretty quick scenes, even when it's not there. I mean, this movie's like eighty nine minutes long, I think ninety seven. 97 okay yeah yeah it it's extremely well paced which is how i felt about night of short walk on girl until it got to it's like final act this it's like nope just fully from beginning to end just extremely well paced um a very watchable movie um for, for that alone uh aside from all the other things i think are great about it um i feel like that's that's most of what i got do y'all have anything else major you wanted to mention no i think we basically covered it for me yeah, my only other final thought is, uh, I don't know if y'all knew this, um, Science Saru, um, Yuasa is not involved with this one. It's uh, produced by An Young Choi and um, directed by um, uh, Naoko Yamada um, of Liz and the Bluebird and Silent Voice fame. There's a uh, TV anime called The Heike Story that Science Saru produced. Uh, I guess not TV anime, technically original net animation, uh, but it's an 11-episode anime um adapting the um tales of the heike and so um i i had heard about that and it's like oh that sounds neat and now after watching this i'm like okay now i really need to watch that um i also did think after watching this like damn maybe i sh- should read that uh more recent uh translation of the the heike monogatari which i was like oh that's like 1200 pages it's not i'm thinking of uh genji monogatari. genji monogatari which is like 1200 pages uh, i think hey story is like a cool six to eight hundred pages so not as long <laughs> i've also read longer stephen king i was gonna say it's a light memory. stephen king book. <laughs> yeah the last arc of bake monogatari is also an ona right uh yeah wait, those were the last three episodes were, okay yeah. okay gotcha yep yeah uh then i already did voice actors so we don't even need to do that I think we would all be in agreement that uh, if you somehow didn't uh, watch these movies along with us, this is the one to watch. This one gets a hard recommendation. Uh, Night is short, like a soft recommendation. Yeah, I would. I think I'm a little more positive on Night is Short than y'all. Um, I I know it has its faults by the end. Um, I really liked what you said last time that it's a very good uh, sick day movie. Yeah, it's also. Mm, no, I was gonna say it's a good date movie, but I don't think it is actually. <laughs> the end, the end, it, the first yeah. three quarters of it is a good date movie. <laughs> um, Maybe not a good it'd be first date. Like so much date easier movie. to recommend Made a Short if that wasn't the final segment, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and also the one with like the biggest like emotional chord of the mm-hmm. movie. And I also wouldn't say Eno is a good date movie just because of the ending is kind of kind of hard to watch. Yeah, in a purposeful good way, but. Uh, 
I actually took someone on a date to see this. I did, but, like the first time that I saw it. Uh, and I remember they put their arm around me or, or like put their head on my shoulder and I almost instinctively bucked them off of me because <laughs> I was like, no, I'm paying attention. But I, 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 I stood like or sat stock still. And after the movie, they're like, yeah, you seemed kind of upset that I was like on your shoulder. I was like, oh, no, not at all. I was like, oh, my God, I swear to God, I'm watching Inua. Too invested in the plight of Tomina. And <laughs> exactly. Inua, please. But yeah, definitely recommend this one 100%. Uh, the other one. Yeah. It's it's fine. It's all right. It's good. Uh, mm. You know, three three to four stars for Night is Short, five stars for this for me, honestly. Not that we're like a star rating podcast anymore, but like just, just for comparison. No, but this was the easiest five star on Letterboxd, 10 star on Kitsu uh, thing I've watched in a while. <laughs> just like mm. didn't need to think about it. It was like, yep, this this gets a maximum rating. Whereas like, yeah, I agree. Like uh, Night is Short, like three to four stars on a, on a good day. Um. I'd recommend both. This one, I would definitely recommend the Blu-ray. It's got some cool features. The 20-minute breakdown with Yuasa of the whale scene is awesome. And then there's a, like, 12-minute long Yuasa draws Inuo, where he sketches out in, like, Sharpie all the different um, uh, versions of um, uh, Inuo throughout the movie, which, seeing those sketches and knowing it while I was watching that, I was like, oh, I can see the Taiyo Matsumoto um, refer- or, like, inspiration in these character designs, for sure. Uh, and then also just shout out to... Of course. What's up? Not like you were talking about the Blu-ray, and it's like, of course, I own the Blu-ray for Night is Short. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the one with much less features. And the worst movie. Yeah. Um, that does look really good on Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, and then I did want to shout out something Yuasa said in the Q&A, which is just like, you know, this is why we stand Yuasa uh, more than any other <laughs> anime uh, creative we've talked about on the show. And one of the Q&As uh, on it, um, you know, they, they ask him like, oh, what was the most challenging part about making this as the director or whatever and one he basically goes like well i had a good time making the movie so i didn't really think of what the most challenging part was while i was making it and then he also goes on to be like but also like i am just the director like y'all know a whole bunch of other people are the ones that actually made this movie happen so they're Mm -hmm. the ones that are like the talented people and can tell you like what their individual struggles are but he was like everybody i work with is extremely talented and capable and i like knew we could make this movie um, so just like I, I remember Danny I think this wasn't on an episode but you read to me something on the Science Hour Wikipedia page which is like they try to model their studio kind of the inverse of a lot of other Japanese animation studios which is like they prioritize like a healthy work week and taking time off between projects and allowing people to take extended time off for like maternity leave and things like that and not like working their people to death and in all these interviews you really do get a sense of like I of him being a person who's like, hey, I want to lead people on like fruitful creative journeys. And if things get in the way of that happening, like crunch or time constraints or putting undue pressure on my people, like then it's no longer fun. It's no longer worth it, which is just such the opposite vibe you get from like a um, Miyazaki, you know, which Mm. is why I'm leading this crusade now of we got to stop worshiping Miyazaki and start (laughs) worshiping (laughs) you. Even though he probably doesn't want to fucking just saw another fucking thing today being like, oh, look, Miyazaki lied. Uh, How Do You Live isn't actually his final movie. It's like, wow, the fucking workaholic that abuses his workers is going to work to the fucking grave. Big fucking surprise. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Well, and the funniest thing is he doesn't even need to be like, he can just be do what a uh, fucking Watanabe did for uh, Space Dandy. Like mentor people now. If you want to retire or but like don't want to retire all the way. Obviously, what Watanabe did on Dandy probably was a lot of work still. But, like, just fucking 
lift other voices, lift interesting people. Have you seen how he treats his own? Well, no, I know, I know, I know. Happen. But like, I'm just, Miyazaki, if you're listening, this could be like the eighth episode. That's just a name if you're listening. <laughs> um, but uh, just, just fucking take it easy, buddy. Uh, you know, maybe take a few months off. Get don't let your son direct anything. I've I've heard that's not good. But like, have someone else do something interesting. I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, no. Shout out to uh, Saki Yuasa. Hideo Kojima learned something from him. I don't think Hideo crunches people as badly as I would you would think, but I do know that he is very much... Like, one thing I remember Cameron Kunzelman saying about the creative gene is that it's very interesting in that Hideo seems to both recognize that a lot of people make games, like one game is made by a lot of people, but also seems to attribute a lot of the game to himself. Like, oh, I had this idea, and I had this idea, and I had this idea. It's like, mm, okay, but always remember everyone... Kojima and, and included to credit the whole team, not just yourself. Yeah, be be like Yuasa. That's mm. uh, it's my new bumper sticker. <laughs> um, but yeah, he just seems like a like a real chill, cool dude. Really made me disappointed there wasn't more features on the Night of Short disc, just because like I could listen to him talk about his creative process on like anything he made uh, and have a good time. But yeah, I, w- I would recommend if people are interested to check out the Blu-ray. Very good release. Also, like, looks and sounds great, of course, and has uh, the dub if you want that sort of thing. All right. Uh, well, this is the part where we talk about what other anime we've been watching. I'll go first because I did watch one thing, um, or finished watching one thing. I finished rewatching Serial Experiments Lane. Uh, I'm sure most people listening will know, but uh, Lane Rules, <laughs> that show's fucking great. Talk about another easy 10 out of 10 uh, rating uh, to give. I just think that show does a real like you know it's not the kind of plot you get like concrete answers out of like you know oh, what did this mean or what 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 was the fate of this character or whatever but like just does such a good job of like capturing the like sheer alienation of existing both in physical reality and in the internet <laughs> at the same time um way ahead of its time in that um but also the kind of show that you can totally see how the guy that uh wrote it turned out to be an extreme internet weirdo um mm-hmm. that's putting it lightly literally today i saw something being like oh look here's an official fucking lane uh ai chatbot thing and it's like oh okay oh no <laughs> okay it's great i want to be surprised if uh konica sanctioned <laughs> that um but yeah, great show, like d- devoid of the, the current political opinions of its uh, <laughs> writer. I don't think anybody else that made that show turned out to be a, a notable weirdo, but, um, uh, uh, but he sure did. Uh, but yeah, that show's great. And can't believe I went this long without rewatching it because it's been some time that I like forgot big parts of it. Mostly just remember the vibes and the atmosphere, which were as good as uh, I remembered. Yeah, great show. Highly recommended. Uh, Danny, what else have you been watching? Nothing. The closest thing I can think of is last night I watched a movie called Shaolin Invincibles, which is like a uh, like a wuxia kind of movie. It has a very blood deaths ending. Okay. It's like, oh, they killed the final, the bad guy. Uh, oh no, one of the two sisters, because like, it's like two sisters who are out for revenge. One of the two sisters dies, and it like ends with her like holding her sister going, oh, like... Lushang, Lushang, and then immediately the end. I'm like, oh, okay, that's just the, that's it. Okay, so very blood daddy in that way, but it was a fun time. But other than that, nothing. Just uh, been meaning to watch the Shin Kamen Rider movie. Probably will mm. uh, at some point soon. Uh, also, I just found out that there is a Science Saru online store, so I'm gonna be 
Ooh. buying some Inuo shirts here soon, probably. Definitely. Do they do like stateside shipping very easily? That's a good question. If not, I know that there are like companies that you can like ship to them and they'll oh, ship yeah, to you. Like proxies. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just ordered a Hori Katsumi Project CD <laughs> that way because mm. I needed it. Uh, Danielle, what about you? What have you been watching? All right. Ooh, is there a list? There's a few things. Um, Hell yeah, carry the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I finished reading the manga of My Dress Up Darling. I loved it, but, um, you know, I'm a bit grumpy that I read nearly 100 chapters and they aren't fucking dating yet. Uh, is it still going? Yeah, it's still going. I should, oh. well, likely probably loop back around to the anime at some point because I really like what I've seen of it. But yeah, like the manga, going to be following that as chapters come out. I finished Yurikuma Arashi, another Ikuhara work. This one, um, like, way more than Pink Drum. I, it still, it still definitely has, like, the elements of, like, the messiness with its metaphors, but it is, um, very, very queer, and I give a lot more leeway to messy metaphors when it's, like, related to queerness than anything else, really. Because I feel like the messiness is kind of important in that. I wouldn't be surprised if I end up picking this one for the podcast at some point, because it's good. I definitely think it would be a better Ikuhara show for um, y'all to watch than Penguin Drum. It's good to hear, because anytime I hear or see things of or about that show, I'm like, I can't tell if I would either dislike it as much as I dislike Penguin Drum or like it more. Like, I, I get the vibe I would either like it a whole lot more than Penguin Drum or just be a repeat of Penguin Drum. Yeah, I, I think know. it... Uh, I think all the messiness and the metaphors Ikuhara likes to use works a lot better for themes of queerness than, like, family. Mm. So, and, um, the last one, I read, uh, <laughs> this is the fun part, I read the, uh, Arrogay, Mat- Evil Magical Girl Rene, Lewd Evil Corruption. I had a good time with it, um, there's absolutely some fucking abhorrent heterosexuality in it, because that's what you fucking get in 99% of Arrogay, but, uh, there's also some fucked up lesbian shit in it too, and that's what I was here for, and there was some of that at least. So, yeah, nice. that was my uh, monthly Aragay review. <laughs> Recurring feature. Okay, the one I'm currently reading with some friends. Okay, I'm currently reading two more with friends. One, I'm not discussing on the podcast for reasons. Okay. The second is uh, originally English language, and maybe I'll discuss so it next you're not time. allowed to talk about it on the <laughs> Yeah, because uh, neither of y'all ever have ever done that, but... No, I've never talk talked about, about a Stephen King book. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll talk about it next time. When you say reading with friends, is it like just like, oh, we're, like, we're all reading it at the same time, or like reading yeah, it in the same like, room? Yeah, you just put it up on a video call. Oh, oh, like a disc... Okay, cool, gotcha, gotcha. Should do a, a I told you, in October, we're all reading We Know the Devil. It's gonna happen this year. It's worth sure. God. Add it to the list of the half dozen other things i'm reading right now is that originally no it's uh damn can't can't talk about i mean the the sequel via to that draws so much from gundam when i eventually reread it after watching more gundam i'm going to fucking talk about it here Mm. did which for mercury end yeah yeah that Mm. ended last season oh yeah that was like the whole they're not gay yeah i remember yeah it's wedding rings but like friendship rings i got you yeah yeah. who could say (laughs) yeah i've i've got some feelings on that and a lot of them being like, it feels like there's a there's a bunch of wasted potential and uh, hey, w- hires up to Gundam. Yeah, Gundam you, you made it. But, yeah. <laughs> Bandai Namco higher ups meddling with like the story the creatives were trying to tell. No, no. 
Well, it's not even that. Most of the time, it's just the people making Gundam or fucking like they whiff the ball on what that what they could be doing. It very, very much feels like executive meddling in this case. In addition to a little bit of the fumbling, but mm-hmm. who can say? Anyway, uh, well, speaking of mechs, next time we will be watching. Uh, it's my pick. I was debating whether we should watch this and its years later sequel. And then I said, fuck that. I don't want to watch the sequel. Uh, I'd rather spend more time with the thing I actually want to watch. So we're going to watch Gunbuster, just Gunbuster, not Die Buster. And instead of doing six episodes all in one go like we normally would do, uh, next time we're going to watch the first three episodes of Gunbuster, and then we will watch the second set of three episodes of Gunbuster after that, uh, since it is six episodes total. I'm excited. Um, There's finally a fucking (laughs) Blu-ray. Yes. Instead of the weird fucking movie cut. (laughs) Like standard 24-minute episodes, or are they like double length? No, like they're like 24, 25 minutes. They're, okay. um, uh, the came out as OVAs. Let's see uh, if I can, like, uh, watch the, um, what is it? For, like, the tennis what? series that it's, like, aim for the oh, ace. Aim for the ace? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's see if I can, like, I mean, convince myself to, like, power through that really quick before the next episode. I feel like that's not a series worth powering through for the sake of Gunbuster. It's, um, not, not gonna be worth it. But aim for the ace is good if, if you did want to watch that. That's too long of a show for me to pick for the podcast or I would pick it. Uh, um, anyway, uh, so we'll watch that next time. Science uh, s- shorts, uh, which are included on the Blu-ray, optional. I'm uh, not going to make y'all watch those, but they're like fun little short episodes that came out along with each episode. If there, if there is there, a, are those on a digital release or are they? Yeah, I think the release I'll recommend for you, Danny, has them. So okay, um, you can you can watch those if you want, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna require it. Same thing with uh, we're not gonna watch the <laughs> Die Buster the movie recut of the ova because that'd be pointless um but i'm excited gunbuster is a classic i haven't seen it in a while and uh very excited by this new discotheque blu-ray that they've put out God, yeah that was gonna be the first time i've seen it since i've seen ava 4.0 that would be interesting when you say sequel series is it like direct sequel or like spiritual sequel same universe or same character same universe none of the same characters oh, okay so none not of the same not characters they also made it years later it's like same studio but different staff i didn't i've never seen it all the way through but i didn't really feel like wanting to watch it mm-hmm. i'd rather rather us uh take our time and luxuriate in gunbuster um so for the first time we'll do three episodes and three episodes uh-huh uh and then that'll be my pick all right well i've been your host austin you can find me on co-host at chai uh you can check out my pictures of my new cuckoo tongue uh nendroid just came in the mail over on co-host uh danny where can people find you you can find me at cover me in sauce with dashes between each word on co-host maybe someday i'll be more active on there um nowadays i I don't really go on to it all that much i don't go on any social media all that much uh but you know eh, whatever that's clean living yeah it's not like one of those things where it's just just like a i don't think to post on there because it's not on my phone and typically if i'm on the computer i'm doing other stuff uh as ever, we know it's because you be on that phone, as um, true. Uh, Kamiyama taught us. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. And Danielle, where can people find you? I am Yuri Bunny on Tumblr or Blue Sky and Bunny2 on Co-Host. Sequel to Bunny. I got it yes. out there first. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I was too fixated on like, wow, you're the, you're the one Blue Sky representative here. I check it for five minutes each day and it's like, yeah, that's enough social media because I follow like 10 people. <laughs> We, we've talked about what the blue sky equivalent of tweeting is, right? Uh, skeeting? It's skeeting. skeeting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah. God bless. That felt like a shot in the dark. I'm like, no way it's skeeting. It's mm-hmm. like, no, no, it is skeeting. Well, you can find the podcast on co-host at Under the Kotatsu. You can find us on Twitter still at Under the Kotatsu. Uh, you can email us questions to underthekotatsu.anime at gmail.com, or you can ask us directly on co-host. Um, and yeah, until next time. Wait, Danielle, wait, 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 our you? sister podcast. Oh, yes. <laughs> you should also listen to me and Danny's sister podcast, Grind My Metal Gears. Uh, where we are currently playing through Metal Gear Solid 3 for the PS2. Having a gay old time with that. I, know, I was going to say, by the time this comes out, we'll be on, we'll be, we might be playing 4, but we are definitely going to be... We will probably not be playing 4, but well, we'll yeah, be done with 3. We're done with 3 in our break before 4, yeah. Yeah, very hard to keep track of the diverging timelines of when we make that podcast yeah. and when we release it. <laughs> Uh, much like a Metal Gear game. Hmm. But yeah, you can find that podcast wherever you find good podcasts. And uh, you can find that on co-host at GMMG uh, or on Twitter at GrindMyMGS. Very proud of that podcast. So definitely go give it a listen. And then, yes, until next time, <laughs> Danielle, uh, why don't you take us out of here? Be crimes, do gay, and just go fucking watch Inio if you haven't already. <laughs> Yeah.